And many of you know, uh, coming up in this August, uh, this August we ha are having a whole week-long school here uh, called Father's Heart School. And I know many of us are really looking forward to it. If you were here last August and September, we had Richard and Anaya here and James and Denise Jordan here from Father's Heart Ministry. They're an international ministry, and uh, they're going to be doing a week-long school. And I tell you, people are already signing up. We have people all the way from Edmonton's going to be here. And... Uh, so we're going to get a lot of people probably out, but uh, I know uh, Carr and Michael have uh, just did a, a six-month school with them, or a three-month school, and they're going to come up and talk a little bit more, because I know some of you are like, what is the school about, and uh, what is Father, Father's Heart Ministry is going to bite Carr and Michael up here. So hi everyone, I'm Cara, and uh, yeah, we, um, Michael and I, interestingly we, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I'll start this story a few years ago because we had a prophetic word given to us, and it was an amazing, lovely word with all these amazing things, but he started off by saying, there's a priority list of things in order of your lives, and something at the bottom of the list needs to come to the top of the list. And we're like, I don't know what it could be. I mean, we're in South Africa, we're serving him, we're um, being house, you know, father, mother at a, at a sort of a father school there. And we had said, you could do anything you want with our lives. And we're like, okay, we love each other, we love God, we love our families. And we're scratching our heads with life of this, we could not figure out what was at the bottom of the list that needed to come to the top. And so we thought, oh well, off we go. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we're, uh, you, know, you know, we have hearts to go to Tanzania, so off we go, and we're there, and God's closing every door that we, we could ever uh, try to open there. We went there with full intentions of doing all manner of things. We knew that it was limitless, what needed to be done, and yet everything we tried to do, except for um, love people, make friends with people, have fun, dance parties, that kind of thing. It was flourishing, and that, that's the Christian life. <laughs> we come back, and anyways, we got launched onto this uh, Father Heart thing while we were there, and we're like, all right, what is he telling us? What is he showing us? And all of a sudden, our lives changed, and I'm not understating that. Like, when we landed at the A school, we knew that we had, uh, for, for, our, for our hearts, launched into, like, I feel like calling it the secret of the Christian life. <laughs> it seems ridiculous because I'd had an amazing Christian life up to that point. Amazing. I loved it. But yet, this new season of what he's showing us has been blowing our, blowing our minds. So what is it? It's a revelation of the love of the Father. And it's, it's, uh, it's experiencing him and um, being like a little girl, which means uh, I don't have to do anything. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a receiving of his love into my heart. And they give you opportunity to remove 
move things that are stopping that from happening and they impart, you know, what they've received. And it's a journey of the heart. And um, the result for me in my heart is that I have this incredible rest. I feel like the foundation of my life is his love. But it's not just the foundation, it's the source, it's the, it's everything. And as I receive his love, then as my heart is more able to go deeper into his love. I'm not saying I didn't receive it before. I'm just saying there's a new, um, you know how Jesse's been talking about Jesus is the way to the Father. And so as we go through that door, there's something substantial and powerful about the Father's love and the relationship with the Father. And, that, and Jesus came for that one purpose, to show us the Father. So if we haven't met the Father in a deep and personal and encountering way where we experience him, then we are missing out. <laughs> and as, as much as I love my Christian life, my priority, the love of the Father, was I didn't even know about it. It wasn't at the bottom of the list. It wasn't even on the list. So now it's the top of the list. And um, so I feel like there's a, there's a stillness that I don't need to prove anything. Somehow I've encountered his approval. Um, I know that I belong as a daughter. I have revelation more about what it means to be in Christ. It means being a daughter and having all the privileges that Jesus had, all the love that Jesus had, being in the same family. And so, yeah, that's, those things are all incredible to me. And in my side of myself, one of the biggest revelations I have is the feeling of being home. And what does home mean? Well, I don't know why, but home has a whole new meaning. Home is, is where Father lives inside of me, and Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And I'm adored there. <laughs> like, I'm celebrated like, you know, the little girl that's doing whatever, you know, and, uh, and I'm comforted there. I'm, I'm just well-loved. It's my safe place. It's my strong, he is my stronghold. You know, that revelation I'm just getting this morning. <laughs> I'm just in the middle of that. Um, so I feel like revelation is coming and coming, and it's sort of, I've been launched into, I don't know, are you guys getting what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they receive it, receive it, because it's about opening our hearts. That's what they told us. Open your heart and come as a little girl. So everything I ever knew or experienced, I had to put, to put aside. And then uh, that's it. And believe. That's it. Open our heart. Believe and receive. And he does all the rest. And so all these lovely words that people prophesy over us and that some promises in the Bible, he does it all. We don't do any of it. We don't do any of it. We do nothing. We just, we're loved and he does it all. That's 
just sitting and listening to someone um, teach. Uh, it's uh, interactive. Um, I really agree with, uh, with the idea that uh, as adults we tend to think that if we understand something or that we, we know something, um, that we actually possess what we know about. And, and uh, this is a safe this week to come and really kind of encounter the, uh, the actual presence of God and to learn how to do that and to depend on him. So the whole thing of dependence kind of opens up. Uh, so we carry all of our stuff, all of our weaknesses, which is really what powers this uh, son, sonship and daughter, uh, is through your weakness. And so a lot of things we, we see, and we may even see it correctly, but uh, this encounter with God, sometimes we have things inverted. <laughs> We're shocked when they get turned around and we really see God's heart. And so if you're interested in that, please come to this. This is really kind of, uh, you know, a couple of the guys come up and run up to Jesus and say, Rabbi, where do you live? He says, come and see. So this is an open invitation. You don't have to go home and pray in your closet to see if this is an invitation. It, it is. Come and see. So before, I'm, I'm really done with that, but I want to read a, a picture, just a quick blessing, just to bless the, the whole church because the kingdom works through community and family. And actually, if you look at the new covenant, the family is, is the ancient way. It's older than the Old Testament. And so I just want to, I just want to speak this picture that a, a Canadian lady, um, this is about Alan, maybe someday we can get her to actually come here. And this is her vision. So I just want to, I'm going to take it and cast it over all of us. <clears throat> I had a vision in which I saw a multitude of people walking down a street. It was a narrow cobblestone street. There were old buildings on both sides. I noticed that everyone was holding a lantern. The shape and size of the lanterns was exactly the same, and their brilliance was identical. No one was bigger or brighter than another one. The light of the lanterns was such that I could see even the smallest crack on the road <clears throat> and on the walls of the buildings. It made everything completely clear and the hidden things became noticeable. However, there was one thing I could not understand. In spite of the brightness of the light in all those lanterns, I could not see the faces of the people carrying them. I could see their silhouettes but their features were hidden behind the brightness of the lanterns. At that moment, the Lord spoke and said, what you see right now is the army of people who will carry my glory throughout the streets of the nations of the world. <clears throat> I am preparing a generation that will be the carriers of my glory, <clears throat> which will be so strong and powerful that it will shine in the darkest places. The whole world will see my glory through them. <clears throat> However, no one will know or recognize them. They will be so hidden by my glory that no one will know who they are. Everyone will see me when they look at them. 
this is the nameless and faceless generation. So, if you want to have a lantern, come and see. I think it's the last week of uh, last week of August, and um, and what's going to make it even more amazing is the whole week, uh, every lunch and dinner is going to have uh, beautiful catered meals by I forget what company it is out of Catholic or one of those catering companies, catering companies anyway. So um, it's it's around five hundred fifty dollars, and so uh, because it's catered meals uh, for oh, I guess the whole week, and also bring in some of the uh, best teachers that te teach all over the world in Father's Heart Ministry will be here, and so um, you can start saving up a hundred bucks a month until August, and you can actually make deposits into uh, on your registration if you want to do it that way, or you can just pay up ahead. But um, check out the website, and we'll be uh, talking more about it. But if you just really like, and I just need something, I just want to feel uh, closer to God. I just want to experience God in deeper ways than uh, really seriously think about this coming up in in August. All right, we have been working through John chapter 13, 14, and we're going to get to 15 and 16, uh, called the Upper Room. And the Upper Room is, is the very last meal Jesus had with his, with his disciples. Uh, he is only just a few hours away from being arrested, and then later he would be crucified. And he has this last meal where he really just imparts uh, some of the most important teachings of uh, of his ministry to his disciples. And so we've been sort of peering in, uh, sitting alongside the disciples, and just by the Holy Spirit listening to what uh, God is saying to us. And uh, we've just learned some awesome things. And uh, today we get to hit this incredible verse, uh, which, Jesus, which, which uh, Jesus tells us. He says this, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It's an incredible promise. Just ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. And that's one of these, these verses that, that can be exciting, and it can be thrilling. Like, man, I just want to try this out. But we also know the frustration of this verse as well. Uh, because if you've been a Christian for any time, uh, you probably have asked for things, and, uh, and you ask in Jesus' name, and it doesn't happen in that moment, or it doesn't happen the way you think it should. And, and so this verse has a lot of exciting, and there's a lot of potential in this teaching, but there's also frustration, and we're going to kind of deal with, with both of those as we uh, look at this verse. But first I want to talk about what Jesus says here. He says uh, that we are to ask for anything in his name. And uh, later he says to ask him a name. It's, it's, he, he mentions this a few times. And you'll notice that when we pray often, people will pray, as we talked about, that Jesus came to bring us to the Father. Jesus taught that the majority of our prayers are to be focused on the Father. We pray to the Father. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. You can talk to Jesus as well. But our primary focus in our prayer life, as Jesus taught, is to be to the Father. Uh, but we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And so often when we pray, you know, we'll da-da-da-da-da-da in Jesus' name, amen, if you've heard that. Or, uh, you know, you're praying for healing, da-da-da-da, in Jesus' name, amen. We, we say, in Jesus' name. Uh, we use that phrase, and you might be wondering, why do we use that phrase? 
uh, Jesus said we're to ask in his name. I mean, does, is, is that sort of some magical formula that if we just say, in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen? And if we just say it loud enough, in the name of Jesus, it's really going to happen? No. Uh, what does it mean? Is it, is, kind of, is it maybe a signal that we can finally open our eyes in the prayer? Is it just kind of a cue that we can open our eyes? Uh, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? And by the way, you know, this, this idea, you know, how when we say, let's pray, in, in our culture, we tend to close our eyes and bow our head. And we think that's like written in the Bible somewhere. Actually, it's not. Uh, the early church, if, if you would say, hey, let's pray, uh, they would not bow their heads and close their eyes and fold their hands and get all somber. They actually prayed always with their hands lifted up, with their eyes open, looking upwards. Uh, that was way the early, and this is why it talks about uh, Paul telling Timothy, I want men everywhere to raise holy hands. He's talking about this is how they prayed. And sometimes it's good just to learn how to even pray sometimes with your eyes open. It helps when you're praying and driving, of course. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes it just helps you to, to recognize the presence of God. And, and sometimes it helps you actually to pay attention so you don't fall asleep. So there's a couple reasons to keep your eyes open. Uh, but what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? And it means a lot of things, but here's just a couple things. First of all, uh, Jesus is the access to the Father. He is the way to the Father. And so... Again, we, we pray to the Father, and when we pray in Jesus' name, it's a reminder, it's a saying that we are doing that through Jesus. Again, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, that Jesus is the way. Now, the way to what? Well, the way to the Father. Uh, Jesus came to show us the Father, to bring us to the Father. And as we talked about, uh, we're not just to have a relationship with Jesus. Some people say they have, a, they have a relationship with Jesus and maybe the Holy Spirit, but we're actually to have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. This is one of the main reasons Jesus came, was to bring us to the Father. But we come to the Father through Jesus. And as a reminder, we have an amazing relationship with the Father. And this is the kind of stuff that we might know in our head, but it's really hard to really get this into our hearts. I mean, Romans 5.3 says... We have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God. That in Jesus, I mean, God the Father looks at you with these, these eyes just full of peace. That you are right in his sight. You're, you're, you're justified. You're made right. You're forgiven. His love is shining upon you. And why do we have all that? Because of what Jesus Christ the Lord has done for us. Because of our faith. Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. And so when we pray in Jesus' name and talk in Jesus' name, it's this idea that when we come to the Father through Jesus, and we have all this because of Jesus. Or in Hebrews, as we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Now, if you understand, uh, read through the Old Testament, you understand how crazy this is. Because in the Old Testament... I mean, the Holy of Holies in the middle of the temple was, was this place that kind of uh, was, was symbolic of the very presence of God, and nobody could go in there. <laughs> just once a year, the high priest could go in there, and, you know, uh, tradition tells us they had bells on him in case he died, and they had a rope along his legs so they could pull him out because no one went into the presence of God. But we can actually just boldly enter into the very throne room of heaven because God the Father looks at us with eyes of peace and love. And again, all of this is because of Jesus. 
And by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. You don't have to read your Bible for half an hour, and then the, maybe now I can enter into the presence of God. You don't have to worship for three songs, and then the, maybe now I can enter into the presence of God. No. Jesus has done it for you. You can boldly go into the very throne room and climb up on your father's lap because he loves you and you are at peace with him. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water that he has cleansed us and forgiven us. And that shame and guilt from our sin has been washed away in Jesus. And it's because of Jesus. And that's why we talk about in Jesus' name. It's what Jesus has done for us. And, and so Jesus talking about prayer. Again, we, we looked at this idea a couple weeks ago. Jesus said, you won't need to ask me for anything. I'll tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly again. The, the teaching of the Bible is our prayers are directed at the Father. And it says this, he will grant your request because you use my name. You will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly. In other words, in Jesus' name doesn't mean, hey, Jesus, can you go talk to the Father and tell him, you know, I need help and I'm really struggling this week. No, Jesus says, you don't ask me directly. You go right to the Father because the Father loves you. Uh, you can go right to the, the God of this universe and come in boldly and just say, God, I'm in need of help. And we do that in Jesus' name because Jesus is the way to the Father. So that's one meaning of in Jesus' name. Uh, the other idea in the Bible is it, it, uh, Jesus has, has authorized us to bring the kingdom to earth. In other words, it, it symbols this authority that Jesus has given us. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God or let the kingdom come. That, that uh, God has given us a certain amount of authority. We are actually the body of Christ. That God works through us to bring about the kingdom. And so we have this authority in Jesus' name to do kingdom things. It's maybe like a police officer. You know, police officers can pull out their badge, and they have authority because they have a badge. Well, our badge is in Jesus' name. Uh, and we have authority. And we see people using this, this badge, if you will, to bring about the kingdom. So often when we see the early church praying for healing, for instance, here is a crippled man. Peter and John say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pull out my kingdom badge because I have authority. In Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Or... Acts 16, Paul said to the demon within her, I command you, pulls out his badge in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her and instantly elect her. And so it is reminding of this authority we have in Jesus. And so when we pray for healing for people, we will often pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Or when we're praying for deliverance or we're just praying, we're praying in Jesus' name because God has given us a certain amount of authority uh, to bring about the kingdom. Uh, if in Acts chapter 4, uh, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? They just healed somebody. And the, the higher-ups want to know, by what authority did you do this? 
Now, what power? And, of course, they say it is by the name of Jesus Christ. And so it stands for this authority we have and this ability to bring about the kingdom. And it also stands for this idea of relationship. That in Jesus' name means that, again, as we you remember the chair, we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father, that it signifies relationship. Now, there's a story here of someone who is not in relationship with Jesus and what it does. Um, in Acts chapter 19, it says a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord, Jesus, in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus. So they used the phrase, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, uh, leading priests, were doing this. But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Uh, then the man of the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. I mean, uh, the evil spirits beat them up. I mean, and evil spirits do have this kind of power, by the way. Uh, but they tried to use the name of Jesus, but they had no relationship. And so again, this is the idea of relationship, that when we say in the name of Jesus, it's implying that I'm in relation with Jesus, which means I'm in a relationship with the Father. And so we use in Jesus' name uh, throughout our prayers. And this doesn't mean that, that if someone's not following Jesus, if, if they use the name of Jesus, it's never going to work. Because sometimes God will begin answering prayers of people who are not following him to, to bring them to himself. You know, I know someone who, who was so frustrated at one time that they weren't a Christian at all. Or so frustrated with life that they just began to pray to, to, to whatever God was out there. They, just began to pray, they were praying to God and all of a sudden their prayers began to be answered. And, and they're like, wow, so there must be a God because my prayers are being answered. And, and they went and talked to their friends, and their friends were like, oh, there is no God. It's just the universe. Just pray to the universe. So she started praying to the universe, and then her prayers were being answered. She's like, well, screw that. I'm going back and praying to God. So she prayed to God, and her prayers began to be answered. And eventually, you know, she talked to, I think she actually talked to Marie. And, and she actually was coming here for a while. Uh, but, um, I mean, God can't answer the prayers of non-Christians, but... But the name of Jesus, it implies this, this relationship. Now, this text reminds us of the power of prayer. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So the Son can bring glory to the Father. And he says it again. Yes, make sure you get this. So I say it twice. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, we may think... Because maybe some of our experience of praying for healing for somebody and it doesn't happen in Jesus' name. Or maybe there's something in your life that seems really big to you and it seems like it's, it perfectly fits into the will of God. And you've prayed for it in Jesus' name that, and it didn't happen. And you're like, well, why the disconnect? Uh, he says, pray for anything in my name and I will do it. Maybe we might say that, that Jesus just wasn't thinking straight. You know, he's... You know, going to die in 24 hours. Maybe he's really nervous and he's just kind of saying stuff that doesn't make sense. Uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's it. The problem with this is actually whenever Jesus teaches on prayer, this same idea is repeated over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible. It's like Jesus is trying to tell us something that this is legit. So we see it in John 14. We see it a few more times in the upper room. John 15, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. John 15, 16, 
Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. John 16, 23. Very truly, I tell you. In other words, this is really important and I'm really serious about this. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Or Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Matthew 21, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Mark 11, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you've received it, it will be yours. And, and that's not even all the verses. We can keep going. This is mentioned over and 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 over again. And so this, at minimum, should encourage us in the power of prayer. I mean, Jesus wouldn't be throwing this out to his disciples all the time if, if there wasn't any power in this. If Jesus was like, ha ha, you know, big joke on you guys, you know, uh, pretty funny when you get to heaven, I'm just going to say, April Fools, you know. <laughs> He's being serious about this. It's mentioned over and over again. And the reality is that prayer really changes things. Uh, there is incredible power in prayer. The most under, underutilized power that Jesus has given us is, is prayer. John 15 says, Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Uh, that Jesus wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to love people. He wants to build his kingdom through us. He wants to bless people. Uh, how does he do that? He does that often through prayer. And so he says, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And the Father wants to bring the kingdom. And the way he often does that is through prayer. And so he gives us prayer so we can build the kingdom. In other words, uh, as we say here a lot, that often the difference between God's will being done and not being done is prayer. And Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, is that God's will for his kingdom to come? Is it his will uh, for his will to be done on, on earth as it is in heaven? Of course. Then why does he tell us to pray for that to happen? If it was God's will for his kingdom to come, why doesn't he just do it? Why does he tell us in the model prayer, our daily prayer, that we're to pray, God, would your kingdom come? And the answer is that God often uses people. He works through people. He wants to bring about his will. He's waiting for someone to partner with him in prayer. And so his will often happens when we partner with prayer. That often the difference between God's will being done and not being done is prayer. Uh, consider Colossians 4. Uh, Paul says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for a message. Now, do you think it's God's will that a door be opened for the message of the gospel? Well, of course it is. Obviously, it's God's will that a door be opened. Then why did Paul ask for prayer? You see, God's will is not always done. Uh, the difference often between God's will be done and not done is prayer that God is not some isolated being who's like, my will is going to happen all the time. I don't care what people do. God is a relational God. And he, wanna work, he wants to work through us. So God has a desire. He's like, I want to bless this area. And he waits for us to partner with prayer. And he goes on, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Now, do you think it would be God's will that Paul proclaim the gospel clearly? Obviously. Well, then why did Paul ask for prayer? Because often the difference between God's will being done 
and not done is prayer. I mean, prayer is incredibly powerful. If you want to see more of the kingdom at work in your life, if you want to see more of God's will, which is always good and loving and great, if you want to see more of his will being done in and around you, in your marriage, in your workplace, and in this church, just, just chat with the Father. Talk to the Father. He loves you. You can come boldly into his presence. And, and you should be talking to him all the time. You know, I can say absolutely that the person I talk to most is God. I'm, I'm talking to him all the time. <laughs> Always talking to God throughout the day. Um, just, just chatting with him and talking with him. And, and this is the kind of relationship he wants you to have. And the more you talk with the Father, the more you engage with him, the more prayers you will see answered. In Mark chapter 9, there's another story. It said, a man in the crowd answered. This is the son who had a, a, a demon in him. Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And after Jesus had gone indoors, this is later, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replies, this kind can only come out by prayer. And there's some things in your life, you might be struggling with something, there are some things that can only come out by prayer. Uh, that it may be God's will, but he's waiting for you to partner with him in prayer and agreement because God loves to use people. He works through people. Again, we're called the body of Christ. We are his ambassadors. We have this badge in the name of Jesus. So whatever you do, just pray. Just talk to the Father. Just constantly be talking to the Father and praying, and you will automatically see more and more answers to prayer. Now, at the same time, we know about the frustration of this verse. Ask for anything in my name and I will do it. I mean, I have a big list of answers to prayer, answers to prayers. One thing I do, and I encourage you to do this, whenever you have an answer to prayer, you write it down. Because it's pretty funny how quickly we forget. Why did you ever answer my prayers? All I gotta do is look at my journal, I'm like, wow! It's a huge, huge list. But I tell you, I got prayers that I've asked in the name of Jesus, and it didn't happen. I mean, I think this is pretty clear. I mean, I could just pray right now. Like, in the name of Jesus, would every car out there turn into a BMW? <laughs> Especially Heidi's car, because our tempo needs an upgrade. I mean, double portion to you there, right? <laughs> Still see a Toyota out there. I mean, uh, we know uh, we can ask for things in Jesus' name, and it doesn't happen. And so, I mean, how do we... We, we, we bridge this gap of this amazing promise of, of, of prayer, and, and he's going to answer when we ask in the name of Jesus, and this, this reality that, that sometimes we, we don't see this happen. And, and we see, whenever Jesus talks this way, ask for anything in my name and I will do it, we see that there, there, in this instance, there are some promise qualifiers. Now, when it comes to promises in the Bible, there are lots of promises that God is going to do no matter what we do. Because God is love, and he is good, and he is the Father. He's just going to do those promises. But there's other promises in the Bible that have little qualifications. Uh, we could look at, uh, say, Matthew 6. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And we're like, yeah, I want all those things. All these things will be given to me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But it has a qualifier. <clears throat> seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will be given to you. Or James 4, 
God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. You're like, I just want favor. I want the favor of God all over my life. Well, there's a bit of a qualifier there. Uh, don't walk around in pride. Uh, don't be trying to impress everybody around you with your gifts and your abilities and, and whatever it might be. That, that there are these qualifiers. And we see with this text that there are some qualifiers. And there are a few. Uh, for instance, in Matthew 21, again, he says at the end, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. But there's a qualifier for this one. That faith matters. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if, so there's a qualifier, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So faith is important. That you have faith in the promises of God. Uh, you trust that God is able, that you, you have faith in his abilities, that he loves you, that he is good, and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, and his character. You have, you have faith, and don't doubt your faith in what he's been speaking to your heart. And so that's a qualifier. That if you just constantly doubt the voice of God, you're constantly doubting your relationship with him, uh, you're just not going to see the same answered prayer in your life. We see relationship with others matters. In Mark 11, again, so here we see this phrase, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that, you, that you've received it, you will be, it will be yours. But, so here's the qualifier, when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. And so there's this qualifier that, you know, I want this father, would you just do this in my life? And the father's just like, you know, you're kind of holding a bitter grudge against so-and-so. How about we work together and I'll totally come with you. I'll love you through this and I'll empower you and I'll fill that void and comfort you. Let's come and deal with this first and, and we'll deal with this then. Then we'll come back to this part here. So it's a qualifier. The relationships matter. In fact, Peter, you remember in his, he talks to husbands about making sure that you're, that you're loving and good and gentle to your spouse so that your prayers aren't hindered. The relationship matter. So that's another qualification. Closeness with God matters in John 15. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. And then it says, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So this idea of remaining in, in God and being close to God, which is similar to this last one, John 14. In our very text today, there's a bit of a qualifier. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that, so why did he give us this awesome promise? Well, because there's a result that he wants. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That Jesus says, I have given you this promise so that, 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 that glory can be given to the Father. So those prayer requests need to, to bring glory and honor to the Father. I mean, I could go around and say, you know, in the name of Jesus, make me better than everybody else. I just want to show everybody my skills and how impressive I am as a super Christian, you know. That's not going to bring glory to the Father. That's bringing glory to me. That's <laughs> about bringing glory to the Father. So knowing the Father's heart matters. I mean, what does it mean to glorify the Father? What does it mean to bring glorify, uh, glory to the Father? It just really means... Whatever puts a smile on his face. Whatever put a smile on the face of God, uh, that's a good thing. And so the question is, like, say if it was for me, you know, what would put a smile on Jesse's face? Well, you'd have to know me. 
You know, giving me a plate of mushrooms would not give me a smile. You know, giving me a big plate of fresh sushi would not give me a smile. But if you brought a plate of fresh sushi to my wife, it would give a smile to her. I mean, to know what actually makes, puts a smile on someone's face, you have to know them. Because one thing that puts a smile on my face might not put a smile on someone else's face. And so how do we know what puts a smile on the Father's face? What brings glory to him? How do we know what glorifies him? Well, there's a, there's a few things. Well, first, there's this promise that's related to this in John 5. It says, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him or anything that puts a smile on his face. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us whenever we ask for. So again, we see this phrase and it's connected to whatever puts a smile on God's face. Now, caveat here. There will be things we will pray for that are totally in line with God's will, that will totally put a smile on God's face, but we actually do not see the results always. And this has to do with the mystery of prayer. And we've talked about this a lot. We did a whole series on unanswered prayer. Even if you just go back to the healing series we did, I think last year we did a whole message on why I'm not healed. And there are times, just because of the messiness of good and evil, the messiness of the world, we look at ten different variables of why sometimes things that, that are actually God's will, and we pray in line with God's will, but still sometimes we don't always see the result. But the promise here is connected with things that <coughs> please, please God. So, sounded like a duck there. <laughs> Uh, I should just do that now and then take a helium balloon <laughs> keep us awake. <clears throat> so how do we what do we know how do um, how do we know what puts a smile on the father's face? Because if we know what puts a smile on the father's face, we will just automatically see more answer prayer. That's that's what the, these texts say. Well, first of all, we know the father's heart by looking at Jesus. Again, John 14, the words I say to you. I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. In other words, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did, originated from the Father. There's not one thing that Jesus did that was not in line with the Father. And so, if we want to know what the Father is like, we look at Jesus. If we want to know the character and the heart and the love of the Father, we look at Jesus. If we want to know how the Father would respond to a situation, we look at Jesus. To know Jesus is to know the heart of the Father. And, and so that helps us because we, we probably know a lot of things that would put a smile on Jesus' face. And if it puts a smile on Jesus' face, we know it's going to put a smile on the Father's face. Or Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Again, if you're like, I don't know what the will of God is. I don't know what, what, what brings glory to God. Just think, what would put a smile on Jesus' face? And that'll put a smile on God's face. Uh, we know the Father's heart by listening to his voice. Sometimes it's important to ask when we're praying for things, Father, what is your heart in this? Because again, the promise is if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we ask for. So it's important we say, Father, what is your heart for this? Because I know my heart for my family. I know that my heart for this church. I know my heart for a lot of things. But sometimes, Father, what is your heart for this church? 
Uh, Father, what is your heart for my neighborhood? What is your heart for my workplace? What is your heart for the situation? And we just listen. And then when we pray into that, we are praying according to the Father's heart. We're praying according to what pleases him. So sometimes these questions are important. What is your heart in this situation? What is your heart for this person? How do you want me to pray? Uh, where are you working? How can I be a blessing to you? And, and we serve a God who speaks, and he'll speak through pictures and thoughts and just a small, still, still small voice in our hearts. And just begin, again, connecting with the Father, listening to the Father, and praying out of that relationship. And lastly, uh, we know the Father by experiencing him. Uh, to have an experience with the Father, you know the Father better. I mean, the person who knows me the best in this room by far is my wife, because we have lots of amazing experiences together, right? Uh, we, we, we share life together, and we're intimate together, and, and so we know each other the best. And, and when you are more intimate with the Father, and in a closer walk with God, all of a sudden, his heart becomes your heart, and, and his prayers become your prayers, because you, just, you begin to understand what pleases him, you understand what, what is on his mind. And so I just encourage you uh, to continue to draw close as, as that picture is we are in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father uh, to make sure that you are sitting on that three-legged stool and your relationship with God is about the Holy Spirit it's about Jesus and also about the Father and I'm so glad that we have such awesome uh, answers to prayer in this place and you know, the more we get to know God's heart the more we're going to see and so that's the encouragement for today and we're going to switch gears here to communion. It was in the upper room that this idea of what we do here was actually instituted. It was on that very last uh, meal that Jesus had with his disciples that during that meal, they took bread and they took wine. And he said, uh, when he lifted up this bread, he, he broke it as he gave thanks and said, this is my body given for you. Take this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, it was a cup of wine, and he said, this is the sign of the new covenant. And remember, the new covenant is, is summed up in that uh, Romans 5 verse, that we have peace with God. It's a reminder of how close of a relationship we have with God when we take this cup. It's a reminder that I have peace with the Father, and I can boldly come into his throne room of grace, this, this place of undeserved privilege because of Jesus. And so we take this bread and we take this cup and we celebrate this together. Just as the disciples celebrated together, this, this idea of communion was always meant to do it, uh, happen in community. And so as I encourage sometimes, make sure you look at people and smile at them and make eye contact. This because this is about us and God, yes, but it's also about each other. And so this table is uh, a table that Jesus is inviting you to. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're welcome to this table. And if you're here as well, and you're just like, you know, I just want to explore Jesus in greater ways, and I want to just know what this is about. I mean, Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. Uh, he ate with, with all of us messy people, and he's inviting us to this table to explore the meaning of Jesus. And uh, the juice is a little pink today. Uh, we ran out of grape juice. Couldn't find any wine in the cupboard either. So, uh, so 
tropical punch on the menu today. There's also uh, gluten-free crackers, and uh, I know there's some here who are grain-free. There's also almonds there as well. So, Father, we pray as we come to this table. Now, you would meet with us in a deep way. God, we thank you that you have come. As your son Jesus said, you have come and you have made your home in us. We thank you, God, that you are not far. That you're right beside us. God, that your spirit lives in us. And we thank you, God, for this undeserved privilege and this position that we are seated with Christ and, and Christ is seated with you. God, we just pray for just deeper experiences of you. God, that we get to know your heart more. God, we get to know what puts a smile on your face more and more and more. So God, as we come to this table, we just lay ourselves down. We know that you are perfect love and you are perfect power. There's no better place, God, to rest our lives than in your presence and in your hands. So we give you ourselves. And God, as we come to this table, we commune with you and we commune with each other. In Jesus' name.